All right. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with me today, I have a special guest. We have Zach Schlein. Zach is the co-founder of the video speed dating app, Filter Off. Filter Off has been featured in publications such as the New York Times, BBC, and ABC. Prior to fi- uh, Filter Off, he ran and sold the dating blog, Top Romp, which covered dating hacks and apps for the millennial dater. His passions lie in technology, health, and creating authentic connections. Zach, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. So tell me about Filter Off. What, uh, what kind of inspired you to start it? And then kind of tell me a little how it uh, kind of differs and, and is unique amongst the dating apps. Yeah, sure. So been working on Filter Off for about two years, so before the pandemic. And it really stemmed from my love of online dating and the ability to connect people through technology in a romantic sense that where you may have never been able to meet them before, like outside your friend circles and things of that nature. And But I realized online dating was extremely inefficient, super inauthentic, and just like downright broken. And I mean, when you think about it, when you're like swiping on a dating app, it takes a while. You finally get a match and then you message them. They may not respond. But if they do respond, maybe the conversation just dies out very quickly. Or maybe then you get their phone number and nothing happens. And then let's say it works out. You meet them. You schedule the date. You meet them in person. You may quickly realize you have zero chemistry with them. So it's a very long funnel from the beginning of swiping or browsing to finally meeting. And that's why people are on dating apps. Um, is to meet people and potentially date um, and go from there. So it's a very inefficient process. And from there, probably three, four years ago, I started asking my dates beforehand if they'd be open to FaceTiming for a meeting in person. And I felt that was a really efficient and authentic way to date. And unfortunately, most women would say no. Um, I would say about a third would say yes. And then some would say, hey, could we just jump on a phone call instead, which is better than just texting, but you don't get the idea of like, what they look like, their mannerisms. So it's still not as authentic and effective as uh, FaceTiming. And um, I wanted to create the app I always uh, wanted to use, and that's where Filter Off, how it was born. And um, it's really a video-first speed dating app that offers virtual events as well as a matchmaking service and um, available for iOS and Android. And yeah, so that's kind of the, the story behind it. Right on. So this probably, I mean, so this was already, you already had this video service available kind of before, prior to all COVID hitting. So that must have been something that took off even more, I would assume, yeah. um, amongst and your service. And we got out of beta one month before the pandemic. And then it really took off in April when we got covered by the BBC and then the New York Times. And we've had a lot of these big milestones. We just got number one on Product Hunt. So every big milestone is like a big influx of users and word of mouth. It's, um, it's a great product. So it's, uh, yeah. It's right on. Spreading. One, uh, one interesting thing, I was just having a conversation with, with a buddy of mine about just the dating apps and kind of the differences between, you know, for a dating app, you you know, be, uh, being used by a man versus a woman, you know, and how it's completely drastically different. Mm-hmm. Do you sort of encounter the same thing like with Filter Off? 
like in terms of based off gender. So, I mean, yeah, like in terms of like oftentimes, you know, with the, the classic dating apps, right? Like where the, you know, women get a ton of matches and then, you know, oftentimes like guys don't get the message, you know, get a message back, you know, it's a lot of ghosting. Yeah. I mean, our app is fundamentally different. It's a different way of online dating. There is no swiping. So you, you opt into an event, whether it's location based or interest based and the dates get sent to you. So you have these like blind kind of dates where the photo is blurred, but you can see their fun facts and bio, and then you hop on the date. So the experience is the same for men and women. And then our matchmaker service, you're sent dates based off of your compatibility. You're like, like your perfect score, your perfect match. It's very curated and you could see their photo beforehand. So that experience is identical um, for men and women. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's kind of apples and oranges because when you're using a swipe app as a woman, um, whether you're on Bumble, Tinder, Hinge, OkCupid, whatever, you're going to be on, especially OkCupid, you're going to get sent so many messages. Tinder, you'll only know if you have a match when you swipe right, like any of the other ones. And the likelihood of you getting a match as a woman is much higher um, than as a man on these other apps. The statistic is about uh, 10% for women and a, like 0.7% for men um, for like a like-like. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I had uh, been talking to my buddy about. Yeah. So, yeah. right. So what, uh, what specifically, you know, you mentioned kind of being a fan of this kind of, you know, um, dating through apps uh, or online dating. What do you think really separates it I think you mentioned that, you know, being able to meet people that you might otherwise not be exposed to. Um, but what are, what are some of the other advantages you think of, of, you know, kind of this method of dating? Of online dating in general? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's convenient, right? Like you could be in your home, what, whatever app you choose to use to meet people. Um, you could be on a vacation and meet people and date when you're traveling, um, there's just, it's kind of like the sky is the limit, um, when it comes to bringing people together. However, there are obviously some downsides, right? Like it it is a, a very different experience being on the street and stopping someone on the street or at a bar or any type of social interaction, or you're attending an event and you meet someone like-minded and you start dating, that is a different experience. And it's a different muscle that you're using and it takes a little bit of um, energy to go about that. Um, so you could also say it's, it, it has damaged in some ways, like that muscle, because you don't really have to rely on it when you just online date. So, I mean, there's definitely pros and cons uh, to both. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, do you do you feel that you know, kind of some of that just ability to to have to start an interaction, you know, with a stranger, that's kind of seems to be lost nowadays or, or diminished, you know, yeah. with the ability to date online. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely you could use it as a crutch, but I think it's it's still important to try to meet people if you are single to meet people in person because it is a special experience. Um, to stop someone and compliment or acknowledge um, in like an appropriate manner. Um, Cause it gets your like, it's an exciting experience. Like your adrenaline goes up and even if you get rejected, it's still, it's a great thing to practice. Like it's the same muscle that as you would use if you 
saw someone that you really wanted to approach that business related or someone on the street that you want to say hello to because you never know what it could lead to whether in this sense it's romantic but the same sense of like business trying to like you may stop someone um just you see them at a bar they look interesting you start talking to them and it could turn into a business deal like you never know what that person what could lead to and it also depends on like what city you are and that's the i'm in manhattan that's the beautiful thing about manhattan is um you never know who you may meet so whether it's a romantic sense or um just based off connection right so one of the things i had seen on on just the podcast guest page was about you know kind of uh you know do you do you feel that uh kind of the swiping traditional dating apps uh are can cause like sort of adverse mental health effects? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of studies. Yeah, I'm not a, a doctor but or sociologist, but there are a lot of studies out there. They've done them on swiping apps. And um, I was reading a, a study and I, I, I spoke to the individual who put out the study and it was basically how like Grindr, um, the, the so it's LGBTQ app, um, how that basically like leads oftentimes to like depression and it's like, it's these like dopamine rushes and that's what all dating apps, traditional dating apps use similar to being on like an Instagram or even Facebook with an, a like or a message, a comment. Um, yeah. So you're always trying to get that like, you're always trying to get that match, always trying to get that message, always trying to get that photo if you're on certain apps. So yeah. And it, it leads to this like, crash as well and feeling super lonely and disconnected and, and like without being a doctor or a like a phd like you could think about for or your listeners like think about on your own like when you feel like you have unlimited people that you could potentially connect with yet you feel super alone or super yeah disconnected and I think it's that inability that the traditional dating app has to really create that authentic connection that I think FilterOp does a great job with by being face-to-face -face on video. It's a different experience being face-to-face, -face, even if you don't like them, it's a different experience than if you're swiping on someone. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, and that, that might be a, uh, interesting to talk a little more about that as far as like what, what are the sort of things that you might be able to, to sense I think you mentioned like mannerisms, you know, that you could sense by actually interacting with someone, you know, through a video compared to if you're just texting or, you know, just swiping, whatever. Um, so what are the, what are some of the other kind of advantages to doing this sort of video yeah. dating? I think a big one is right. Like you don't know who that person actually is on the other side of the profile. I'm not trying to like scare people, but like, you don't know their actual age. Like anyone could lie about their age on any of these apps or lie about what photos they're using or just, but also just like how they laugh, how they, how they sound just by speaking. Like sometimes you may meet someone you're like, this is not someone's voice that I, like the voice isn't pleasant to me. And it's not someone I could see myself being around all the time. It's these small little things as well. And just, and like I said, just, their photos could be misleading filters, um, um, hence the name filter off. But yeah, I mean, I think, and the phone is like, is better than texting because at least you have audio, but the inclusion of visual as well of using face-to-face -face video chat um, is the most authentic right behind meeting in person. 
but meeting in person is not always the most efficient because then you have to do your makeup if for many women or drive or take public transport it's a it's a it's a time commitment to go as well as an opportunity cost you could have been on another date or hanging out with friends or family um so it's that ability of like that sweet spot of efficiency and authenticity. And I think that's kind of where video lies and um, ends video first. Like there's a lot of apps now that are adding a video component as a feature post-match, but you're still swiping. It's still the same looking at the profile. Oh, this guy is balding a little bit this way, this like, but when you meet someone, a lot of that bias goes out the window because they have a certain energy that you're really attracted to or something about them you really love. And you're like, wow, this is someone I want to potentially um, have a longer chat with, a longer conversation with that a, a swipe or a text you can't get. Right. Right. Um, so what are, with, with Filter Off, kind of what have been some of your experiences as far as like, you know, what what do you find makes uh you know people compatible you know as far as are there different sort of things through the app that the people specifically put in um that results in them kind of getting paired yeah so our events like i said so they're location based as well as interest based and the preferences we take into account is like age preference as well as gender interest so like just the basics but our matchmaker service takes into account many preferences to give you curated dates. So ethnicity, religion. Then we also have preferences like do that we're going to be rolling out in the next four weeks, probably two to four weeks. Um, do you like sports? Do you like video games? Because a lot of these things are really important to people. Like if you're a big Yankees fan, a big baseball fan, you want a, your date to also be a big baseball fan, potentially, because you want to have shared interests. And um, that's why it's super important. And um, that's why we also have these like interest-based events. So we've actually had events such as like Yankees and Mets night. So women and men who are both Yankees or Mets fans can date one another. And then we've also had events such as runners lovers. So people that love to run can meet one another. So like like-minded interests. And that's really important to us. And then we also have organizations that run events on Filter Off. So we have Jewish organizations that run events, media companies that run events. So it's a way for like-minded individuals or like-minded singles to come together that have um, these similar shared passions. Um, so yeah, that's what we've seen um, that works um, when it comes to dating from like a high level. Right. That's, that's really cool that you do events. Cause I feel like, you know, oftentimes like a, you know, first date could be very boring, you know, over coffee or something where, you know, you're, you're being able to interact with the person, but you're not necessarily having fun. You know, it seems like there's some, definitely something to doing some kind of event where you're, you know, there's opportunities to actually, you know, do activities and, and have some fun. So they're just to clarify. So it's, they are still speed dates but they're under the guise of um, this is for people that love to run or this is for I people see. that are sports fans. Um, and they're short dates for events. Like most of the events, if they're public, they're very short, like a hundred seconds. If they're more private events, like by organizations they are typically three to five minutes and they, and they're short for a reason because if you have a really mm, like 
a, a match that isn't someone you want to video chat with, you don't want a long date. So, and then you could always video chat with them later. So, but yeah, it's important, I think, to have that like theme and we're planning to add like in-app games, things like that to make it also, I think it's super important. Like you hit the nail on the head to make it more interactive aside from just pure communication one-on-one, but do an activity together. So that's something we're going to be rolling out as well. Very cool. Um, switching gears a little bit, uh, can you tell me a little about uh, 18%? Yeah, so I also run a mental health online nonprofit. Um, I launched that after I had a close family friend who had, bi- so he had bipolar and schizoaffective disorder and um, he was diagnosed at 19 and um, three years later he went for a walk and didn't come home. And I ended up raising a significant amount of money, gave it to, donated to NAMI, which is a nonprofit, and then started this online community with a, another co-founder of mine. So it's it's basically a mental, an online mental health community. Um, I've seen it. So it's based off of Slack. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So people, um, what's kind of the advantage to doing, uh, to going through that service or or having it? I assume is that mostly a uh, uh, messaging format compared to uh, talking on the phone? Yeah. So first of all, it's free, um, which our audience definitely skews younger, but it is all ages. Um, so a lot of times teens, they, they may reach out to the crisis text line. The goal of the crisis text line is to deescalate. Um, but if they're just looking for like someone to connect with, um, 18% is a great platform, a great resource for them because you have like your user, you could be as anonymous as you'd like and you connect with people and you go in, you ask how your day is going, maybe you're struggling one day and then you have a crowd, a community to support you. Um, we do have moderators, but no one is health, a healthcare professional. It's all peer to peer. And yeah, so it's really just a way to get support um, and support others. Very cool. So, so the moderator basically is, is kind of just looking over the, so, so people on this, this community um, are just kind of interacting with one another and the moderator is just kind of overseeing the whole. Yeah. The uh, moderators just keep a pulse. It's, it's less about like less about like policing or, but it's more about, Hey, if people have questions, if there's requests for new channels, I mean, they do, they do have the ability to delete messages or ban, give warnings or ban users if, if need be. But um, yeah, so moderators just kind of overlook um, everything, keep a pulse on the community. Sure, sure. So I wanted to ask you, you know, kind of, uh, it's interesting that you kind of have uh, both of these kind of digital services going, you know, in a time uh, such as you know, now with, with COVID and then going forward in the future, how do you see kind of, you know, both, both mental health care, uh, along with, um, sort of the, uh, you know, dating, uh, virtual dating, how do you kind of see that, uh, progressing? Yeah. I mean, I think people, the stigma around mental health will continue to diminish and it'll be spoken about more and more, um, in all places, including like where you work, and there'll be uh, more resources. I think what it comes down to a lot of times is like accessibility. I mean, obviously costs that can be an issue for many people, but um, 
I think just an increase in accessibility with all different sorts of mediums, whether that's um, online or tele teletherapy. Um, so I think that's super important and you're seeing that, especially during this time. A lot of therapists have now offered those services. Um, and then I think when it comes to dating, um, video first is the way of the future. I mean, you're seeing that now. I think the beauty of online dating or just dating in general is everyone has like their preferences. And as a single, you may have four dating apps on your phone. It's not a winner take all industry, but I think what you'll see is video first will be this niche. And I believe will be the leader in that niche um, of online dating, given it's very efficient, authentic, and the product we put out um, is the best video first product on the market. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's how I see, I think people are more mindful dating nowadays, especially with the pandemic. Um, they're more comfortable dating through video and they're more mindful. They're more like open to jumping on a video chat because they want to see like, Hey, is this someone I actually want to go out with? It's not like they're okay with kind of, I don't want to use this word, but like kind of like vetting it out. Like, Hey, do I feel comfortable? Is this someone I could see myself with? And people are just more comfortable doing that versus just, okay, we swiped right on each other. We messaged a little bit, we exchanged numbers, let's go out. And it's just not an efficient process. It's a broken process. So that's kind of how I see the future of online dating. Right. Well, it makes sense to kind of expedite uh, kind of the, the efficiency and just cut down on the time, especially, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned kind of, is, is, do you find that there's bigger, uh, uh, bigger segments of the population kind of using the app, uh, like in big cities such as New York? Yeah. So our biggest cities are New York City. London is very big. San Francisco, LA. All the hubs are pretty large and then, and growing. And then the beauty with Matchmaker, and then we also run events though that are global. So if you're in a smaller city and you just want to date, you could also adjust your location. So if you're sheltering in place outside of New York, but you live in New York, you could change your location. Um, and we basically also have the matchmaking matchmaker service. So if we don't have an event in your area, you could still get matched with these curated dates with people in your area. Um, so I think that allows for smaller cities and people to continue to participate. And, and then we offer these like private events. So if a nonprofit wants to run an event or any sort of religious organization or any sort of brand organization, they could also create um, virtual events by contacting us. Very cool. And, and you're saying, so a lot of the, the actual interactions, like the dates are kind of these like speed dates, like a few minutes. Yeah. So the virtual events are speed dates. Um, you get your dates, you could see them beforehand, blurred photos. We could see, learn about their fun facts, the icebreakers. Then like you may have a date at seven, you hop in video chat at the end, it asks you whether you like them or not. If it's a match, you're entered into a match, but then you go on to your next date, same sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's fast, it gives you a number of dates, see how it goes. And then you could always, after the date, message one another or jump back on a video chat through filter off. And then for the matchmaker service, it basically puts you in a chat with someone and it's up to you to set up a time with them to video date. Okay. No, I, so I love this on the user. Yeah. You know, I, I love the idea of, kind of keeping with, you know, uh, keeping with kind of the speed dating, but kind of 
having a, a 21st century sort of modern version yeah. of that. Yeah, it's like the intersection of offline and online dating. And that's what we've created. Like with these virtual events are kind of like speed dating events. And the matchmaking service is like you hire a matchmaker to help you. And it's the thing is, though, it is uncomfortable for a lot of people to be on a um, speed dating event because they feel like they're being judged. Like there's lots of people. And with Filter Off, it's, it's you could be on your couch and there's no one judging you because you're just, it's one other person at a time. So it's, you could be, feel comfortable. So it's, it kind of works for all sorts of people. Right. No, I, I, I was using, uh, when I, when I moved to Seattle a couple of years ago, I used uh, meetup.com um, to go. Uh, there was one, one group I was a part of, and I love just being able to kind of rotate through people I was talking to, you know, if, if there was a conversation that, I just wasn't really into. I wasn't stuck with yeah. you know, that interaction for, for an hour. I, you know, there were so many people you could just kind of, you know, go and until you Bounce find someone around. that you connect with. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then when you connect to them, then you could keep chatting for a while or you could just exchange information and then you could always hang out at a later date too. And that's kind of that premise of like, how do you, and that's something that people ask me a lot. It's like, well, what if someone else creates a video app tomorrow? We've been doing this for two years. There's like, crazy workflows that just people haven't thought about. It's super hard to get two people show up. People are super flaky. And there's these tremendous amount of scenarios of like, well, what if you're put into a room with someone and you don't like each other? Just meet up in person when, the, when it's a big event, right? When it's a big event, you can kind of bounce around. So there's all of these like in-person scenarios that people just don't think about. And it's very complex. And um, I mean, we've been thinking about this and, uh, tackling this problem for a while now. So what's some of the, the feedback that you get from people who've, you know, say maybe, you know, gone through some of the other apps and, and not been a fan, but then they kind of, you know, experience filter off. What, what are common fee, uh, things that you hear? Yeah. I mean, it's just, right. It's the same type of thing is like, I'm too busy for dating apps and filter off is kind of like that the first app where I could just, um, where I don't need to do the work. I just need to show up. Because filter off does the work for you. It's just dating made easy. Um, so it's it's that sort of sentiment. Um, and like I said, it's just like filter off is an experience. People like our user told us they'll do their makeup before, drink a glass of wine. Um, we have an event coming up, a cannabis event, where people get literally high together. Um, so it's it really attracts all sorts of people, and we have these different sorts of events and niches and it's, I think it's just like a cool experience for whoever you are. And um, we've also had people that are older, right? Like that, that have been on these uh, more traditional websites and now they're using filter off. I spoke to a user and he was like, yeah, I'm starting to see someone through your app. And like, that's awesome. We just had an engagement recently. Um, so stuff like that, that's just super cool. And um, I'll actually share a, a story because this is something people don't think about is there's a lot of communities that when they're on dating apps, they are really disadvantaged. And one of those communities is if you're, let's say you're disabled and you're in a, you're wheelchair bound. And I don't want to say it's community, but like, unfortunately, let's say you're wheelchair bound. Unfortunately, people on dating apps oftentimes will swipe left because they see your wheelchair and it's super unfortunate. And it's something that people don't think about. And unless you are wheelchair bound, you've never experienced that. 
And the beauty would filter off. Like, so we had a user. He's like, it's the first time where I could be on a dating app and I can just be myself because it's through video. They're not judging based off of like the picture. Of course, they can make their own assessment, but he's allowed to show his personality. And that's super important to us is to help all sorts of communities, all sorts of people, whoever you are, whatever um, you're going through, that there's a place for you. And that's FilterOff is a very inclusive um, dating app. And we're adding more genders, so making super robust preferences. So like, that's super important to us. So um, just uh, important, I think a very important story to share because it's something that people don't think about in, when it comes to online dating. Right, right. I, it, it just sounds like a healthier kind of process overall compared to, you know, what we've sort of gotten used to now. I mean, you know, take some apps like you, people don't even really read the bios, you know, so it's, it's almost purely based on, you know, the pictures. And as I think you kind of alluded to, you know, obviously, you know, physical attraction has a, you know, is a big component in dating. But when you actually get to interact with the person and sort of gauge their personality, I think that that really adds a important and kind of necessary layer to it. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, sweet. Well, you know, I think you mentioned a little bit, well, as far as add, kind of adding genders, and I think you mentioned adding games to the app. Are there any other sort of things uh, going forward that you sort of see yourself um, kind of adding or doing yeah, differently? Mean, I think it's just to continue to improve our matchmaking service, continue to roll out more unique and diverse events, um, continue to build our partnerships. Um, and like I said, robust preferences. Um, that's really on the roadmap and, and games to make it more interactive. That's on the roadmap um, for the next um, one to three months. And then things change being a startup and, um, we learn about things based off our users. We get tons of emails every day of people, good things, bad things, but we learn from that. And, um, there are opportunities for us to improve. And as you can see, we're pushing out like an update almost every week, sometimes twice a week. So we're constantly working on this, like we're, um, weekends, nights. So, um, the three of us all have uh, day jobs, um, and we're constantly working on this. We're really passionate about it. We really love it. And, um, just trying to make the best um, online dating experience for people. Awesome. Well, uh, I wanted to switch gears again and talk a little about, I had seen that you did a, a TEDx event, a, a speech. Tell me a little, and I also found on, on your blog, just you kind of wrote about the, the preparation for that. Can you tell yeah. me a little about kind of preparing and then what uh, kind of the content of your, your talk? Yeah, so it was um, a TEDx event. Um, and it was through my company. Uh, I worked for Johnson Johnson and, um, yeah, it was basically about like the premise I was working. That was like when I was working on my nonprofit, like I had just recently started it and I was talking about the journey of just like, um, like I wasn't a mental health professional. I didn't have the credentials to start this, but like it was kind of that process and, meeting people and one thing led to the next and just kept going and I could have stopped and made an excuse like I don't have this time I don't have the money to start this I'm not a mental health uh, professional maybe I have to go to school but like I just kept going 
and it's impacted thousands of people's lives now. And that was like the premise of the talk. Like I could have not done this, right? And it basically goes back to the individual and says like, um, I speak to the audience and I say like, um, like, and like think of the times, like think of the times when you have said no, or think of the times when you stopped yourself. Um, so that was kind of the, the message I wanted to send. So it was mental health related, but it wasn't a mental health talk. That wasn't the premise. Like that wasn't the, the message I wanted to leave with people. Um, so yeah, it was a really amazing experience. By far the scariest experience I've ever gone through, basically 13 minutes of memorized content, no slides. And the preparation is intense. Like I had a coach um, who coaches um, very big people in um, business space. So it was just like an amazing experience and something um, I don't really want to do again. So like the, it was so intense, but it was so, I'm so fortunate that I was able to do it and I pushed myself to do it and yeah, practice. It was insane practice, but yeah, every time I give that sort of talk, like it's scary, but um, it's, again, it's such an incredible experience and I'm just very happy um, I did it and I went through it. That's, yeah, that's super cool. Uh, do people like, you know, come up to you or ask questions, give you comments kind of after doing one of the talks like this? Oh, I mean, after my TEDx, I mean, it was in front of like close to 3,000 people. It was like the amount of people that came over to me and they're like, listen, like I'm going through mental health issues. Like my brother, like people were just opening up, crying, wanting to give me hugs. Um, yeah, it was an experience I've never experienced before. Um, and just like a very human experience, like the most like fundamental, level. it was just insane. Um, and such a cool memory. And um, I'm very happy, like uh, my mom, my dad, my brother, and then uh, one of my best friends, David, came to see. So it was super important. Um, happy I had them to uh, be a part of it. So, And that's almost sort of what I was thinking as far as it. I mean, I think it's one thing to hear, you know, a, a TED talk or TEDx talk from, you know, someone who, you know, a mental health professional but then it's there, there's some distance, I feel like, you know, when when it gets to be someone who's just kind of talking about their story or, you know, more kind of like the entrepreneurial stuff that you're doing. Um, I think it, I don't know if you think it kind of lends itself more to that um, kind of just human interaction. Um, yeah, I mean, it's relatable for sure. I mean, I think it's important. Those people that are PhDs or sociologists or whatever you are. Um, they're super important for what they do and um, they make, they help tremendous amount of people. And there's also people that are um, more like that are more business minded or looking at a different lens, um, looking at things in a different lens. And sometimes the two merge, right? Like sometimes it's, you work hand in hand. Like I run a, um, a WhatsApp uh, community with like mental health, um, advocates, mental health, um, uh, influencers in the space when it comes. So a lot of them are psychiatrists, but they're all summer in government. Some also run other companies, nonprofits. So it's like this, um, it brings them all together. And I think it's unique to add diverse 
talents and diverse perspectives and um, whatever you're starting. So, um, but yeah, to go back to your question, yeah, I mean, it adds a little bit more relatability versus like, oh, I've been studying this for seven years. I, um, I, yeah, I went to Harvard and um, I, I put out all these papers. Yeah, I mean, it is like, whoa, like I'm never gonna get there because I'm not going to school for this. How can I create something? But yeah, so I think it adds that layer of relatability for sure. Are there uh, like business, like sort of entrepreneurial opportunities that you see um, within like kind of the mental health sphere that you feel like haven't been tapped into yet that are kind of kind of become, you know, significant in the future? I think it comes down to a lot about like accessibility. And I think we are still getting there and um, we run 18% the largest real-time chat mental health community in the world so and I say real-time chat because it's hard like real-time chat is hard like forums there's lots of forums but that's very static it doesn't have the same vibe and the feel of having a conversation um, and thus it's real-time so I mean I'm doing the thing that I enjoy the most which is in this case, building this community, supporting people and making this kind of like hub. So we offer um, other, if you're looking for online therapy, we offer uh, referral resources. Um, if you're looking, we also offer a course um, to get certified in peer-to-peer -peer support. So like we offer these different resources, but yeah, I mean, but I, th I think the kind of the values that we, set for ourselves from like a business perspective or like accessibility, affordability. Um, yeah. So, and then kind of community. Um, so I think community is so important from a mental health aspect. Like a lot of times people are like, Hey, I'm really struggling. And it's like, why are you struggling? And it's like, well, I'm, I'm this way and my parents don't accept me. And it's like, no reason. No, of course you're struggling. If your parents don't accept you. And that's why like, you could take medication, but that's not the real reason why you're, the reason you're struggling is because you're disconnected. You're not, you don't feel loved. And community is sometimes kind of the magic answer to a lot of things. Um, so yeah, so I feel like that's it's great. an opportunity to continue to expand upon. Very cool. Well, Zach, it has been a pleasure having you on the show today. Um, and if people want to like find out more about, you know, filter off, um, or 18% or just your other work and TED talk, where, uh, where would you direct them to? Yeah. So filter off is available for iOS, iOS and Android, um, 18%, uh, if you go to one eight and then percent spelled out.org, um, that's where you could sign up and join the Slack community or, or sign up for the newsletter as well. And then to learn more about me or to get connected to me, I have a personal website, Zach's line. So Z A C H. S-C-H-L-E-I-E-N.com and we could add that to the show notes and to learn more about me. So yeah, so pretty uh, pretty easy to find all of those online. But yeah, it was a pleasure and thanks so much for uh, having me on today. Absolutely. And for those of you who enjoyed the episode, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're Roscoe's Wetsuit. And you can also find audio versions of the podcasts available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, and now we're on Stitcher as well. So go ahead and check us out. Zach, again, thanks so much. Thank you.
All right, so this is gonna just be a quick little recap video of the episode I did with uh, co-founder of Filter Off, Zach Schlein. So the biggest uh, takeaways that I got um, with this interview, um, Zach was really uh, kind of emphasizing, you know, the, the importance of when in dating, kind of being able to actually see, um, see people um, kind of with this video chat feature of their app that really uh, distinguishes it from some of the other apps in the market. Um, and the whole idea of, of doing um, these kind of speed dating events um, is also something that I feel like, you know, is, is something cool and different uh, that he's doing uh, to kind of differentiate himself and his company from, from the rest. Um, as far as uh, the mental health side of things that we talked about, um, I think it's, it's awesome what Zach does um, and, and really is the epitome of, you know, some, uh, an entrepreneur who's able to also be in this mental health sp uh, space, even though he's not, you know, a clinician, um, a researcher, he's, you know, he's an entrepreneur, uh, yet is getting, you know, big platforms to speak, uh, doing TEDx talks, uh, and speaking to other people about, uh, these really important concepts, despite him not being a, a clinician or a trained scientist or doctor himself. So those were some of the biggest takeaways I got.